12 past 12 on 2 NURFM. Coming up next, finance. Thursday finance with Stephen Pritchard for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. Joining me, Jane Klein, and we're going to take a look at the federal budget and some of the implications of that for us. We will also have our market snapshots, see what's happening on the market. We'll take a look at currencies and commodities. And, yeah, just a brief look, a brief question about insurance for storm damage. Stephen, before we look at currencies and commodities, a lot of us are dealing with insurance companies as a result of the storm damage just recently. Yeah, um, a lot of people are dealing with insurance companies, and um, I, I found out this week from personal experience that some insurance companies, depending on which area you uh, are located in um, are waiving the excess if your area has been declared a catastrophe. So that, that's handy to know, um, and, and, and I don't really know which companies, um, but I'd suggest that um, it might be worthwhile giving your uh, insurance broker or your insurance company a call um, and, and qualifying whether um, the excess is going to apply in your circumstances or not. Because I mean, you know, sometimes the excesses can be $1,000 or more. It all helps, doesn't it, and if we can, and that's a really nice gesture on their part. And, yeah, I mean, of course, if you don't ask... Um, you don't find out. And, and, you know, it's not necessarily the case. I mean, just your claim comes in and someone's just used to processing them and they, and they don't realise this special uh, provision may apply and it just goes through in the normal... And it's just, you know, just one of those things that happen. So it's always good to ask. Mm. Yeah, what, what uh, does it take to be a catastrophe? <laughs> I, I, We'd I have to ask the insurance. had to... Didn't they declare... They declared a natural emergency yeah, area. Yeah, it might, might have been that. I don't know. Yes. No, I'd never heard of the excess being waived before. I remember when the earthquake was here, the excess wasn't waived then. Mm. So. Mm. But times have changed. Times have changed. In the meantime, are times changing as far as commodity prices go? Um, commodity prices are pretty stable for the week. Um, I mean, gold, gold was... Um, was down to 1,491 compared to 1,498 the previous week, which is which is about half a percent. It's not material really. And the silver price, which is interesting, the silver price usually tracks the gold price, but on this occasion the silver price went up um, by 1.79% to $21.09. And I read an interesting article in the Financial Review, I think, during the week, that copper is one of the lead indicators which would sort of economic activity um, and, and you can rely on that to predict where the economy is going. Well that's good because the copper price was up for the week um, by not much, by about 1% to $8,083 8, uh, $8, a tonne. So if that is article is correct, um, better times might be ahead, although it only looks marginally at this stage. For our mining sector. For our, well, mm. copper miners in any case. Yes. Um, and as we spoke before, the, the iron ore price has, has been slowly creeping up as well. Um, and the other uh, industrial commodity, um, tin, was also up 2.73% for the week, so that was up to $17,954 a tonne. It would be good to find a few tonnes of that. In the <laughs> <laughs> Do you think if we just dig down in the backyard we might have some luck. We can always hope. Uh, more likely coal around here, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Although there was a um, there was a copper mine out at Merriweather um, at some stage. There was a Newcastle Coal and Copper Company, and the railway tracks are still on the side. Going along. The existing railway line is still there. If you walk around Merriweather Beach, there's mm. some Going into bridges. Burwood Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was mm. the Newcastle Coal and Copper Company at one stage. Yeah, there must have been copper So there must have been copper there at one stage. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, Probably in the state recreation area now. 
Yeah, yes. it's probably non-economic. Either. Yes, but anyhow, um, the Australia, the Australian dollar continues to rise against the US dollar, which is, was up to eighty-one cents last last night, which is up two point six percent for the week. Um, um, we also rose against New Zealand dollar. We're up one one point five percent to one oh seven. And the euro, we're up almost 2% to 71. And the Canadian dollar, we're up 1.3% to 97. Now, is that as a result of the budget, do you think, or just of other economic forces? The budget appears to have been generally well received. Um, the market was up a little bit yesterday, but it's bounding in this morning. Um, Probably, yeah, there was really no big decisions in the budget and it's really a steady as you go thing. So I, I attribute most of the change just to general economic forces, the rise in the, um, the, rise in the iron ore price maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the markets, mm, our market is down a bit, isn't it? On it's last down, week? it was up on last week as of um, last night when I prepared the sheet, so we're up. 0.35, but it's down this morning. Mm. Yeah, so so um, last night the ordinary was 5,710, but it's down 35 points this morning. So, um, you know, you really should look at the longer trend. And, and over the month, we're down almost 200 points. So the trend at the moment is down. Um, the U.S. market, um, the U.S. market was up 1% on the week. Um, and if you look at the same period, the U.S. market over the same period is, uh, we're talking about the Dow, um, was up 100 points. So um, the U.S. market continues to go up while well, ours is, is, is falling slightly. And um, the Hang Seng, which is the Hong Kong market, was down 1.4%, which was, if you look over the month, um, it's down by about a 1,000... Oh, sorry, it's up about a 1,000 points for the month. So in general, most of the world markets over the last month have gone up, but Australia's has gone down. Mm. Do we have an answer as to why? Falling commodity prices of Australia's yeah. commodity. You know, if you look, at it, you look at the top 10 stocks in Australia, the four banks, the three... Yeah, Rio, Rio, BHP and Woodside, yeah. Mm. Big, big mm. influence on oh, the market. Okay. Mm. okay, and what about oil? Oil, the oil price was down to 75.79, um, which was about 1% down on the previous week. But over the last month, oil's, oil's actually gone up $10 a barrel, mm-hmm. which is reflected earlier in the month in the increase in the, the oil stocks had risen, but I think they're starting to slide back again. And at the bowels. Right? And at the bowels, well, because the bowels has gone up. What did you ask that? Um, the, the Newcastle unleaded oil price was $1.35 a litre, um, which is 1.7% up on the week. And, of course, in Sydney, it's interesting. This is the first time I think we've seen this in a long time. The Sydney price is $1.39 a litre which is up 6.85%. So that's very unusual that the Sydney price is higher than ours. Mm. Okay, we'll take it while we can. We'll take it while we can. You better go and fill up the car, Jim. And um, the diesel, uh, the diesel's pretty steady on the week. Um, $1.33 a litre in Newcastle and $1.28 in Sydney. So, you know, no, no real major changes there. To NURFM, it's Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And Stephen Pritchard, we're taking a look at the market, our market snapshot today. And it seems that... Uh, uh, we did have some fears a little earlier about our credit rating in Australia. Has it yeah, been at risk? There's been talk by various politicians and um, investment banks and, and some of the trading banks that the, the credit rating in Australia was in danger of being cut. But uh, yesterday, Fitch, which is one of the um, 
which is the third US credit rating agency, came out and said that Australia's credit rating is not at risk, at least for the next two years' time horizon. Um, um, the budget will be under pressure um, because of the falling commodity prices, and Australia needs to be uh, fiscally vigilant, what, whatever that means. But um, the credit rating... Uh, our AAA credit rating is is not at risk, so that's uh, that's excellent that's news. That's excellent. So we're feeling happy in the world. Well, it competes with all the naysayers who said the credit rating was at risk. Yes. So which credit rating agency do we believe? We believe the one that we want to believe. I suppose. Yes, yes. Just <laughs> yes. like the people who CDAs did. Yeah, yes. yeah. Now, uh, Glencore, of course, has been in the news recently too. Now they use the port of Newcastle. Ah, well, this is this is all interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, Glencore is a Swiss commodity trading company which um, which uh, acquired Extrata with a merger with Extrata and listed on the London Stock Exchange and they're also um, proposing a takeover of Rio so um, at the moment they're a large exporter of coal through the, the port of Newcastle and if they take over Rio and succeed in taking over Rio they'll be in a larger exporter of coal so what's happened is that the port of Newcastle was um, privatised and um, the new operators have turned around and told Glencore they're putting up some of the shipping charges by 60%. That seems like a very big hu- price hike. Yes, so Glencore wants the matter referred to uh, the competition regulator and make the port subject to competition regulation. But the more interesting thing, when, when you think this through, if... if, if the port, if the shippers from the port can, and the port can put its charges up by 60%, that means that the government has sold the port for considerably less than it was really worth. Because if you can increase your income by 60% within, you know, a year of buying some asset, the value of that asset is also going to go up by a proportionally large amount. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether the regulator comes in and says, if the port is subject to regulation, and if it's not subject to regulation, it's just going to be a matter the port can charge whatever it likes, mm. provided people continue to use it. So Glencore's the test case. Well, Glencore doesn't want to pay the money, of course, um, which which no one would. Yes. But the interesting, mm. the more interesting thing comes down to um, the value of the port if you can just increase your charges like that, mm. and that then raises issues in other privatisation matters. Mm. Yes, indeed. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, I can hear the brain cells ticking over there in a number yeah. of areas. So, uh, moving uh, along to, um, well, what are they called? Moving things around, logistics. Toll. Toll being a logistics company and various other things was taken over recently by Japan yeah, Toll, Post. Toll's, um, the shareholders had a meeting at Toll this week and agreed to accept the offer from Japan Post. So, Japan Post is taking over Toll and it's going to delist from the um, Australian Stock Exchange on Thursday, I think. Thursday being today. Thursday being today. Mm. Yes. Now, Toll has uh, connections with our area. Yeah, so too. you knew that. Yes. So Toll was started in 1888 by Mr. Alfred Toll, and it's a local company that became a large Australian company, then a large international company, and has now been snaffled up by the Japanese. Okay. Post office. So another icon. Another icon disappeared, and particularly a local icon. So the other local icon like that was Arnott, so that was taken over by the uh, Campbell Soup Company, and that started down in um, um, Morpeth and then later on in uh, Union Street. 
Yes. Yep. Well, it just shows that we do, we are the originators of good things oh, in this area. Oh, there are some good things come out of this area. And people like them. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Mm, Tim Tams. Mm, um, that's very good. And many older people remember going to the Arnott's factory and getting um, um, pillowcases of broken biscuits. <laughs> How wonderful. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, all those days have definitely yeah, gone, haven't gone, they? Yes. <laughs> There's no other factory there anymore. Um, and Woolworths. Woolworths. Now, something interesting is happening in Woolworths. Uh, uh, as we know, that the, you know, the company's been under pressure for falling market share and falling share prices. Um, but now there's talk um, that a number of shareholders have approached the former CEO, Roger Corbett, to return as chairman. And this is interesting for a number of reasons. A lot of the corporate governance experts frown on previous CEOs coming back as chairman. But in the last week, we've seen Michael Cheney, who's uh, the previous CEO of West Farmers, is going to return to West Farmers as the chairman. And now there's talk that Roger Corbett's going to come back and sort out Woolworths problems um, as a chairman. So, you know, there's these corporate governance policies, but, but I, don't, I don't know whether they're, they're always applicable all the time. And, you know, you have to question some of the results sometimes. I mean, there, there could be issues with the previous CEO returning as chairman, but some of them, Australia's most successful companies, um, have a joint CEO and chairman. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the uh, ongoing corporate governance debate over this is if Roger Kelvett does go back and does turn more worse around. Is that a normal procedure that shareholders of a company would um, put this forward initiate? It's not normal. It's not normal, but but it's not unusual. It's becoming more... um, it's becoming more, as the institutional investors are pushing companies for better performance, they're taking a larger interest in who's on the board and and um, how the board's performing than they did in the, the past. Mm-hmm. So the, the old directors club, to a certain extent, is breaking down. This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. Stephen Pritchard, our market snapshot at the moment. We're taking a look at what's going on. Um, and another privatisation that's being talked about is the sale of the Australian Securities and Investment Commission's registry business. So basically what the registry business does is that's responsible for um, registering companies and um, you know, keeping all the corporate records. And um, the government, well, I think it was first put up by the chairman of the Australian Securities Investment Commission, that this commission needs to go to use a pays model whatever that may mean, and part of that will be the registry business, which is where all the money is made, will be sold off. Now, on a user-pays model, that means that, you know, ASIC's an extremely profitable business. Um, the charges that they make, um, you know, are extremely high compared to the rest of the world. I mean, a lot of the documents you have to pay ASIC for, if you go to New Zealand um, company register site, you can just get them for free off the internet. So there's concern that, that if if ASIC does um, privatise and sells off their registry business, um, that um, the fees that are charged, which are already higher, will become even higher, which is interesting compared to um, the discussion we had earlier with the Port of Newcastle. So, I mean, that's raising a number of issues in quarters. And, and then, of course, the, the, the remaining thing that ASIC's going to have is the regulation of um, um, companies and financial services licences, etc. So they're going to put the charges up for that as well. So people will be paying, um, probably paying considerably more for the same services that they're getting now. Mm. 
Now, um, NAB. Ah, yes, NAB. With their UK business. Yes, so NAB announced a rights issue during the week, two for 25. Um, interestingly, um, usually when a company's issuing rights are considerably below the market price, which NAB's doing, the, the share price will fall. Um, it hasn't happened in this case, and I think it's the market's perception that NAB's at long last going to do something about um, offloading the UK business, which has just basically been a black hole, and the rights issue is basically being used to fund that. So the market seems to be perceiving that NAB's moving in the right direction there. So it's going to cost money to get out of the UK? Is that the uh, Yes, answer? well, the UK regulator won't let NAB walk away as a shareholder unless they put up, I think it's $1.7 billion in some kind of security, and the NAB needs to do that to exit the UK business. So you know, that was my immediate thought. Why, why is it costing us money to sell something? So the, the NAB business must be really a basket case in the UK. And it I sounds suspect. like it, doesn't mm. it? Well, a lot of us are tightening our belts as the years go on. It seems BHP and Rio, the two, two of the big miners, are doing um, that too. Yeah, BHP and Rio have announced another... Um, reduction in capital expenditure and um, basically they're trying to tighten the events um, a lot of the capital expenditure they've made in the past has all been wasted there's new management in there they're trying and they're having pressure from shareholders um, to, to cut the expenses in the business and at the same time the the, the price of their commodities of the coal the um, the coal the iron ore and the oil that they and aluminium in Rio's case are all falling, and so they're looking at ways to conserve cash and cut expenditure. Mm, and speaking about cash, the Reserve Bank's in the news as, as well. Ah, yeah, well, this is another issue. This, this will affect you directly. I mean, when you go to the shop now, a lot of shops have now got these, um, and you want to pay with your credit card, um, they're, they're charging you a surcharge of, you know, sometimes 2%, 2.5%. Um, the Reserve Bank is again looking at that and is thinking about introducing a cap on um, the amount that actually can charge. There is this soft cap that, that suppose it's, it's got some formula that no one can work out, but they're talking about introducing a, a fixed percentage cap, which will be easy to work out, and banning, and banning volume discounts. So what that means is if you go down to the little um, shop and they, they take your credit card, um, they could be paying the banks up to a 2.2% merchant fee, whereas Woolworths and Coles and other big retailers are paying 0.225%. So in effect, the smaller merchants, by taking your credit card, are subsidising the Coles and Woolworths' discount on their merchant fees. So the Reserve Bank's looking at um, banning that, and I don't think that would be a bad idea either. So that would mean that when we pay with a credit card at the supermarket, we'd be paying 2.5%, or we wouldn't? No, it would mean that the the Woolworths and Coles would have to pay the same price that everyone else would. So it could mean that that price no, would no, be passed no, on? Uh, no, consequently that, the Reserve Bank's going to bring in a cap. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that is something that is likely to affect us one way or another. Maybe it'll make it cheaper, slightly I think cheaper, it'll make it cheaper at the yeah. smaller yeah. Uh, Make it less profitable for the banks okay. for charging the smaller shops um, right. these fees. Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And Stephen Pritchard, the federal budget has come out um, on Tuesday. And um, superannuation, there was such a lot of talk, speculation as to what might happen to superannuation funds. Um, what is the gen? Uh, there's basically no change, and, and, and the government's come out and said there's not going to be any changes um, to superannuation funds whilst, whilst they're in government. 
except, of course, they are increasing the uh, levy for um, funds rep- uh, supervised by APRA to cover um, a user pay system at APRA. So large funds will be actually increasing, uh, paying an increased levy to APRA, but other funds, um, unless the tax office levy is going up again, um, will not be paying any additional fees or taxes or charges. So when you say large funds, does that mean institutional type funds? As um, yeah, so to there's basically two regulation systems for super funds. <coughs> there's the small funds, which generally are re- regulated by the Australian Taxation Office. And when you put your um, tax return in for the fund, there's a supervision levy on the bottom of the tax return based on the size of the fund. And the other alternative regulator is APRA, which is a prudential regulator, um, and that regulates um, public offer funds, plus there's a category called um, a small APRA funds, which they also regulate. Um, and there's various technical reasons why you would use a small APRA fund as distinct from an ATO-regulated fund. Um, but the charges that APRA make are, are all going to be increased, basically. Okay. And mm. forecast to raise an additional $11.6 million a year. So is that actually like a tax, only not? Well, in effect? Mm. Well, yeah, okay. Yes. So it may affect the bottom line of a superannuation. It'll affect balance. all the industry. Well, marginally, I mean. Marginally only. Yeah. It'll okay. affect all the industry funds. Um, okay. Public offer funds. Yeah. Spread across. Lots of people. Okay. Now, what about business concessions? We've heard quite a lot recently of um, how that's helping business. Um, they're, they're introducing a number of business concessions for small businesses. That and that's a small business is defined as one that turns over less than two million dollars. Um, the corporate tax rate for small business is going to be cut to 28.5% from in, instead of the current 30%. And for unincorporated small businesses, um, which is typically your partnership and um, sole trader, um, they're going to be receiving a 5% discount off their tax bill, um, which is going to be capped at $1,000. Now... How you're actually going to work that out is, um, I can just see that's going to be an administrative nightmare. But it sounds as though it could be useful for, for small businesses. It could be useful for small business, but, but yeah, if a small business has got um, some income from, say, for example, the business, and they've got some income from wages, and they've got some income from um, some dividends and interest, um, how are you going to work out what the five percent applies to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can just see that very ministry difficult. I would have thought a far easier way, which would encourage employment as well, is just to 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 a multiple on the amount of wages, the tax deduction for the wages. You know, if small business, um, you can claim one hundred and ten percent of your wages as a tax deduction, which would be easy to do. Ah, but they haven't come in with the Stephen Pritchard idea yet. No, 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 they haven't. But it's a, the, the, I can just see that this is going to be very mini, administratively difficult. Don Gibson, touch the morning. Yes, it was a beautiful morning today. And we'll check the weather for the rest of the day. Sunny, a slight chance of a shower in the Port Stephens area. And at the moment, we have 17 degrees at Warners Bay. Thursday Finance, where our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners, and Stephen Pritchard, we're looking at um, tax concessions for businesses at the moment that has come out of the federal budget. Um, we've talked about a couple of those. There are some other concessions. Um, yeah, there is some. There's a, now an immediate tax write-off for um, new for plant and equipment that their business buys up to the value of 20000 So I think that would be a, a welcome saving to most businesses. Businesses who are buying, you know, a new photocopier or um, or, or, or um, computer equipment, which seems to be costing more and more. Um, 
I noticed the Treasurer was saying we should all um, use our credit cards more and spend more and help the economy, and I suppose this will encourage small businesses to do This will encourage too. small business to invest in their business with uh, capital plant equipment. Yeah, I mean, I've already had a couple of clients ring me up about that, but we haven't got all the details yet, so you know, I'd wait for a week or so before I go out and find out exactly how it works in case there's some things you want to buy that are, are no longer covered um, and there's an FP, FBT exemption on work related electronic devices FBT being fringe, uh, fringe benefits. benefits tax mm-hmm. um, yeah there, there used to be an FBT exemption on fringe benefits tax for electronic work related electronic devices but you can only have one device unless it did something different from another device and with the convergence of technology um, you know devices now do more things for example um, I know there's slowly um, iPads infiltrating our office um, that do multiple things, and you can argue that under the old rules, an iPad does a similar thing to your smartphone, and therefore you're only entitled to FP exem- FBT exemption once. So, so that's just, I think that's just a sign that the technology is converging. Mm. Um, and something for people starting new businesses, there's an immediate deductibility for professional expenses starting a new business. So when you started a business before and um, you went out and um, got the company set up and got some legal advice on um, business names you had to register or whatever, none of that was deductible. Well, some of it was deductible over five years, but some of it when this thing called black hole expenditure was never deductible. So now that's going to be deductible as soon, uh, straight up front, which is just a sensible thing really. Um, no change to the dividend imputation, which is a sigh of relief for a number of investors. The government had talked about that um, um, ad nauseum Treasury before the budget. Um, that seems to have been forgotten about. Um, and there's now introduced a cap on salary sacrifice, meal and entertainment expenses. Um, so there's now a $5,000 cap for um, salary sacrifice, meal and entertainment expenses that will apply to employees of public benevolent institutions and non-profit hospitals and public ambulance services. Mm. Previously, there was no cap on that, and because these institutions were basically exempt in certain segments from FBT, um, it was developing into a bit of a lurk. So things have changed a little bit after the budget, but gently, mm. genuinely just a, a wait-and-see type thing. Yes, And that's Thursday Finance for today, Stephen Pritchard. Thank you, and we'll be back next Thursday after the midday news. Coming up is the news in two minutes' time at one o'clock from the Hunter Newsroom, and Julian Campbell after that with Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM.